I'm Major Robinson. Leslie Messer. Mary Stranahan. Senator Dwayne Ackney. Marcy McLean in Billings, Montana. In, in Helena, Montana. Colstrip, Montana. Sydney, Montana. From Arley, Montana. And you are listening. And you are listening. And you're listening to. And you are listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. You are listening to the podcast Listen First Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. You know, we tend to think about the purpose or the vision of Leadership Montana being for the public good. And it affected people in a lot of different ways. And and I think we learned very early that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different for everybody. For some people, it may make you, it may inspire you to run for public office. For others, it may make you a better boss, it may make you a better father or a better better spouse. And I don't think we can underestimate how people are being moved by Leadership Montana. It's not just about whether you serve publicly or not, but you're changing lives every single day, and it's, it's incredible. This is Chantel Schieffer with Listen First Montana, and we are here today in Helena with Bruce Wittenberg. In this conversation, I have been so anxious to have with Bruce on mic to capture for all of history. Bruce is one of those leaders who really needs no introduction. He has been a part of Montana's fabric from journalism to the first director of Leadership Montana and most recently as the director of the Montana Historical Society. So we are here to dig in with Bruce on all things leadership, history, Leadership Montana, and what it means to be a Montanan. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you, Chantel. It's great to be here, and I'm honored. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Um, first, I have to tell you, I have to tell you a story that I don't know if I've ever told you this before. When I was in my Leadership Montana experience, 2009 in Big Sky, I graduated class of 2010, but that very first experience in Big Sky, I was um, super duper late um, and ended up in a table at the very front of the room because I was late. And I, you know, it didn't take long for me to kind of just look up to you and say, wow, that guy has got the best job in Montana. What an incredible experience to lead leaders through their leadership journey. And um, I have since that day just had this admiration for you that is so deep and so um, full of gratitude for what you have been a part of the creation of Leadership Montana. When we talked on the phone just the other day, I mentioned to you that, you know, of course, we're getting ready to celebrate 20 years since the founding of Leadership Montana. We were founded in 2003. I know, right? <laughs> Take us back to, to those days, 2000, 2001 to 2003, when Tom Scott and you and others started to say, something's wrong and we need to fix it. You know, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here today and to tell the story because I, I don't know how widely it's known what the real origins of Leadership Montana were. But if we go back to about um, 1998 or 99, uh, Senator Max Baucus had put together a group called the Economic Development Action Group. And uh, it was a group of about I think 15 folks from around the state in various positions. At the time, I was publisher of the Billings Gazette. And um, the charge was to identify the issues uh, related to economic development and economic growth in Montana and make some recommendations to Governor Martz at the time and the legislature, which would have been, the, I think, the 2003 session by the time we concluded. Tom Scott was named chairman of that group. Um, I was appointed to it. Sharon Peterson, who was my partner at Leadership Montana, ultimately uh, was also on that group. 
So, um, uh, as you might expect from Tom, once the work was done, he sunset the committee. We did our work. This isn't something that goes on forever. <laughs> but we got together, and uh, a small group of us at the at First Interstate Bank, and <clears throat> Tom asked us, "What what did we learn?" And the thing that was immediately clear to everybody was that we need to develop leadership skills and a leadership base for this state that we just don't have right now. Um, is, this is going to be hard to believe, but there was a lot of contention even then in the legislative sessions. Um, you know, politics were what they were. And Tom had observed the, the founding of Leadership Wyoming a couple of years prior to that and thought it was something we ought to take a look at. So um, for about six months, we kind of did volunteer duty, and we went down to Wyoming and explored around and looked at what the options might be and um, uh, decided that we, could, we, could do th we needed to do this in Montana and we could do it in Montana. And Sharon and I happened to be in positions then where we could step forward and, and make it happen. And um, so... Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about what kind of what the vision was for uh, for this program. Uh, Tom made a bunch of contacts, raised about a hundred thousand dollars fairly quickly from prominent business people in in the in the state, including many of your sponsors who are with you to this day. I think all of them are. All of them are, um, and uh, said, "Make it happen." And so um, Sharon and I then spent about, uh, well, first of all, we put together an organizing committee of 15 or 18 people from around the state uh, to help guide us through about a year or so of development of the program. Uh, Sharon and I learned as much as we could from other folks all around the country. Uh, there used to be an organization called the Community Leadership Association. They had a fabulous conference every year, and it was folks just like us uh, who were in leadership programs, developing leadership programs, and it exposed us to some amazing, uh, very high-profile uh, people in, in the field of leadership development and, and leadership skills and so forth. So uh, about a year of learning and working with an organizing committee. And with that committee, uh, we engaged with what at the time was trustee leadership development, um, some consultants out of Indianapolis who were fabulous to work with. Uh, they had helped Leadership Wyoming, and they helped guide us through this process a little bit. And so with this organizing committee, we modeled what we thought would be an interesting program. We conducted sessions and we took them around the state just like you do with your classes. And um, after about a year or so, we said, okay, I think we got what we need, let's go. And so we recruited the first class in 2004 and the first class graduated in May of 2005. Mm -hmm. Is that right? That's I right. have those dates got right. It. <laughs> uh, and it was, those were the guinea pigs. Those are the folks that stepped up and said, oh, yeah, I'll give this a shot. I'll make the commitment. Uh, and it was, you know, it was very interesting. I mean, you've really got it dialed in now. Um, um, and I'm, but I'm sure, I'm sure you have your little things to work through. We had some things to work through. Because when you start talking about gracious space and you just kind of come out of left field with the concept of gracious space or trustee leadership, some people go, uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> kumbaya. No. Kumbaya, yeah. And, of course, that all starts, and I'm sure it still does to this day, with the retreat. In Big Sky. In Big Sky. And, uh, you know, people walk out of there going, uh-oh, what have I gotten myself into? But one of the interesting things uh, that Sharon and I had observed over the years, it's like, um, at what point do people, does the light go on? Mm -hmm. This is cool, and this is interesting, and this is going to be good. Um, it was very late those first couple of years. But you watch that move farther and farther up to where, uh, I think I was part of eight classes. By the time we got there, it was a about the end of the retreat that mm -hmm. the light went on mm -hmm. and people would go, okay, this is going to be different and a stretch, but it's really going to be exciting. And, um, now you're at a whole, you're in a whole different place now, but it was interesting working through those, those times and 
kind of coaching and listening and helping people um, uh, try some new things and learn some new skills. I love the way you termed that, seeing the light go on, because that, that is something that I witness. I haven't had words to put to it until today. But when, when it starts to become, I get it. I get. I understand why we're here. I understand. It is all over the map mm-hmm. for us now. Even for me personally, I think it was like post-graduation when it when my light turned on. Um, I, I often say that I am a much better Leadership Montana alumna than I was a class member. <laughs> I remember you being very quiet for a while. And that was, a, a first of all, it's a sign of being a good listener and a good learner. But also, uh, what what's going on here? I think it's the skepticism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first one to admit that it took me a long time to really understand yeah. the gracious space concepts and, and all of this. I mean, I'm a true believer now, obviously. And I think you were in the governor's office at I the time. I was in the governor's yeah. office at the time. So that's a different environment it is. entirely. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. There are some people who are encouraged to be there by their employer and some people who, you know, show up because they want that Mm -hmm. learning themselves. And it's, and we see that now, even today, you know, how you get there determines a lot about how you show up when Mm -hmm. you're there. Mm -hmm. So you served as the first director of Leadership Montana for, you said, eight eight classes? I believe that's right. Yeah. yeah, I left after the class of 2011. Yeah, I think my class broke you. We were 2010. <laughs> now, it was the class of 2006 that almost broke us. Oh, oh, I've heard so. We've, we've, all, we've, Eric and I have heard some stories about 2006 from <laughs> Michael Sanderson shared some stories. Mm. Carmen McSpadden's always full of stories. That was, mm. and John Scott, of course, was in that class. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We've heard a lot about 2006. That was fun. We had a lot of a lot of fun adventures along the way. Tell me some favorite memories. Well, that was one. 2006, um, we were in Great Falls. We had the opportunity at that time to um, go to the Malmstrom Air Force Base every time we went to Great Falls, and Malmstrom was incredibly welcoming. Uh, once some of the civic unrest started happening across the country, they had, they tightened things up and it, mm-hmm. and it changed. But we always got to meet with the base commander and uh, uh, tour the base. Or at one time, we were touring the launch facilities out in the field, which is a pretty incredible experience. But um, uh, the class was in Great Falls, and we had arranged for a dinner at, I think it was out at um, Cattleman's Cut, mm-hmm. a restaurant out north of town. And uh, we had hired a bus to take everybody back and forth. And... Um, uh, at the end of the evening, um, uh, the bus was supposed to drop everybody off, and that was the end of the night. Well, the class kind of chipped in, raised a little money, hired the bus driver to take them back and forth to the sip and dip for, <laughs> <laughs> for a couple hours. And I remember Sharon being pretty upset about that. This is my bus. You can't do that. <laughs> Oh, but so that that's a real uh, real good memory. Um, really, people were having a lot of fun. And yeah, that's always good. Uh, another another one from a Great Falls session was when we went out to the Big Stone Hooterite Colony, mm-hmm. and I, it might have been the first class we did that. And um, we pulled up into the. By the way, Hooterites were were wonderful. They were so welcoming and so open with everything. It was just quite a learning experience. But this big motor coach pulls up with 40 people on it, and they're out there scraping the hides off of hogs. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a big pile of hogs there. (laughs) They had one hung up, and they're scraping the Oh, my God. This is going to be interesting. (laughs) How did the class take to that? Kind of like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. And it was. It was fabulous. Lots of little things along the way like that. So in those early years, you know, the the design, the first couple of years, as this group is coming together, the founding group, you know, what what, what did you hope for the future of Leadership Montana? You know, the, the thing that we, we uh, sort of the vision was that in 10 years we'd have 400 and some people around the state, and that would be enough to create a tipping point 
towards better leadership, towards gracious space, towards more civil discourse, and, and perhaps affect our government in that way, uh, and our businesses, and our families, and, our, and so forth. Uh, <clears throat> I would ask you where you're at 20 years later, uh, how you feel about that. Uh, but that was sort of the big overarching vision, that if we could do this for 10 years, we could make a difference in Montana. And I feel like, I feel like we did. Uh, Absolutely. So where do you feel at 20 years? Well, <clears throat> knocking on the door of 20 years with this year's double cohorts, we're close to 1,000 alumni, which is, is really incredible. Yeah. And, and I hear, when I ask this question to, to those that have, were around you know, in the beginning, I, I hear these words tipping point, like, where do we get to that tipping point place? And I don't know if we're there yet. I feel like we're knocking on it. And, and I, what I think what I'm trying to really lead us and focus us is to think about how do we know when we're at that tipping point? How do we know that the impacts that we hope to make are actually making a difference? You know, I think we've seen We've seen our Montana society change a lot over the last handful of years. Um, I think that, you know, when I think back to the founding of Leadership Montana from those, you know, 2001, 2003 challenging legislative sessions, I would go back to that in a minute mm -hmm. with what we have right now. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, uh, it's, it's for so many reasons our society is so polarized. I think social media has a big piece of that. Um, we're, we're just, I think, finding ways to just separate ourselves and not connect with people that we disagree with. Mm -hmm. And we even heard this yesterday in the Montana Chamber Business Days with some legislators saying, you know, it used to be that we would get together and have meals and learn about each other's families and create this congeniality. And that's, we're struggling with that mm -hmm. right now. So, so that's heavy on my mind right now is how, how, how society has changed and how we as an organization need to change to meet those, those expectations. Mm -hmm. But I'm super proud of the fact that we have almost a thousand alumni around not only Montana, but the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. and people who are, you know, just so deeply connected to this concept of gracious space and how we, how we work better together. Mm -hmm. Well, we still have a lot of work to do, which I guess is good because then, you know, keeps us employed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, and I think uh, one of the things that, that I learned was, you know, we tend to think about the purpose or the vision of Leadership Montana being for the public good. And it, it affected people in a lot of different ways. And, and I think we learned very early that it's going to it's going to be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. For some people it may make you it may inspire you to run for public office. For others it may make you a better boss. It may make you a better father or a better better spouse. And I don't think we can underestimate how people are being moved by leadership Montana. It's not just about whether you serve publicly or not, but you're changing lives That's right. every single day. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible to see that. Yeah. I, I, I do appreciate those opportunities when I get to, to see someone, you know, matriculate through the class and, and watch them become more patient, more kind, more gracious, you know, better listener. I think that better listener. It, it's that individual impact that creates this mountain of societal impact mm -hmm. that is just really pretty incredible. Don't you think there's a lot of it is trust building? Yeah, oh, and, for sure. And within a group of, of 40 people that spend the kind of intense time that, that your cohorts do, there's a lot of trust built. I mean, you could probably pluck any two people out of a class by the time you're done and they would I would trust that person with my life yeah uh, regardless of politics or background or whatever um, it's incredible to see that so I think we gotta not feel disappointed that we haven't changed the world the way we wanted to but there's there's good change happening all across Montana, every, probably every community now. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can speak to and point to, and I'm sure you can too, just different situations where collaboration is created because of connections through Leadership Montana. Wh where have you seen that show up? 
Oh, I think you've seen it show up in the legislature. Yeah. You know, I mean, I heard one legislator say, these people that have been through leadership Montana are different. (laughs) 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 You know, they do listen better and they do trust more and so forth. Uh, I think you've seen it in the nonprofit community. There's been a lot of uh, uh, supporting each other, you know, um, in, in some of those endeavors. And, and who knows? I mean, in terms of the friendships that have been made, just personal friendships. Mm-hmm. I mean, I made a ton of them. And um, I, I think everybody that participates in Leadership Montana has richer relationships because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you one gracious space story? Yep. <laughs> Is it about me? No. Okay, good. Yes. This was from the first <laughs> class. <clears throat> Gracious Space was uh, originally uh, written by Bill Grace with Patricia Hughes, who who is just one of the most amazing people, mm-hmm. as you know. But Bill, uh, we met him at the at one of the community leadership conferences, and went to one of his workshops. And I invited him to come do the first class of Leadership Montana and introduce the concept of Gracious Space. <clears throat> well, Bill, um, Bill was kind of way out there. I mean, gracious space to the max, super soft touch, and um, I'll never forget being in the room in Missoula in the Holiday Inn when Bill was doing his workshop for the class. When what it felt like as I was sitting in the back of the room, and about halfway through, everybody in the class kind of looked at me <laughs> like, "What in the hell is going on?" <laughs> And I actually had one class member at that time come up and whisper in my ear, I don't need this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he did. <laughs> and he got it eventually. But that's how Gracious Space started. And, and not only is the Gracious Space book fabulous, and I'd recommend it for, to anybody, but Bill Grace also wrote a, a little uh, monologue call or a monograph called uh, Ethical Leadership that is just fantastic. And um, those are the kind of things we learned as we were doing our research, you know, kind of people that we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still get the same kind of feedback from Gracious Space, it, even when we deliver it very differently um, over the last, you know, several years. But it's still, it, it's even just kind of the words, Gracious Space, that kind of makes Absolutely. people feel like, oh, this is going to be squishy. and yeah. it, But it's not. It's really just, you know, four very simple ways that you can work better together. Yep. Well, I, I was, when people ask me about it, I say, look at the subtitle, A Collaborative Guide to Working Better Together. Who yep. doesn't want that? Yeah. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? All right. So Leadership Montana uh, took up a good eight years of your life, and then you took this other incredible opportunity, said yes to leading the Montana Historical Society. Tell us about that. What was that like for you? You know, there's a couple times in my life where I feel like I was uh, uh, blessed to be in the position that I was. And and the first was to, to have the opportunity to be a part of the origins of Leadership Montana. The second was the Montana Historical Society. Um, I'll never forget, I was on a, um, a trip out to Sydney with a group from Billings, economic development tour of the oil fields. <clears throat> and I was sitting at the Sydney uh, fairgrounds, and I got a call on my cell phone. It was Mike Cooney, who was the interim director of the Historical Society at the time. And he said, uh, uh, are you aware that the Historical Society director position's open? I said, yeah. He goes, have you thought of applying? No. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> I said, well... I don't know enough about it, Mike. Can I come to Helena next week and talk to you? And so I did. And I got to tell you, um, we are the, the historical society that we have in the state is is phenomenal. It's a it's uh, was created in 1865 by the territorial legislature, 24 years before statehood. One of the first acts of the territorial legislature. I mean, these are miners and ranchers and pioneers. But they recognize. Talk about vision. Mm-hmm. They had a. They were visionary enough to say, "What we're doing here is going to be worth preserving, and the stories are going to be worth telling." And so it started right there, first in Bannock and then in Virginia City. And uh, today we have one of the great historical societies in the nation. And I don't say that lightly because I've been to a bunch of them, 
and it's 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 pretty amazing. But I, I will tell you that the most amazing thing about it is people that I had the opportunity to work with for, mm-hmm. for all those years. I learned so much from them. Um, they made me a better leader, I think. They made me a hell of a lot smarter about Montana history and still are. I was just at a program yesterday. Um, so I had the opportunity to join a great organization and a great group of people and take on one of the biggest challenges that I've ever had in my life, and that is to expand the Montana Historical Society and get the legislature to support a, um, a, a new construction, a new building, and a, a bigger and better museum that this state deserves. And we accomplished that in, the, um, what session was it, 2000? I don't even know what this? year it is right now. 2019 session. And um, I'm so proud of that. That, yeah. that construction's underway right now. And um, it's one of those things that in 10 years we'll all look back and go, God, that is amazing. We are so proud of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, so, that was a battle. Oh, it, it had been going on for close to 15 years. And, you know, session after session after session, no, no, no. How did you turn those no's to yeses? <clears throat> um, it, it was a completely different strategy. It was uh, identifying some, it was relationship building, first of all, identifying some legislators legislators that I could build a relationship with, um, lining up all of our historical society constituents, I call them the army, because I could make a call and have 30 people lined up outside a hearing room, you know, mm-hmm. and... Um, we just had it. We had a good plan. We had a couple of great legislators: uh, uh, Terry Gothier, senator from Helena; Julie Dooling, a representative from um, uh, from Helena. She lives in the Helena Valley, and Joe Cohenauer, who's a senator from East Helena. Um, they stepped forward, and they had the guts to take that on, after watching how difficult that was year after year. So we came up with a different plan, uh, a different funding model. Um, and we built in a program to provide funding for other museums and historic sites around the state. So I think out of the last session, about $5 million flowed out to small museums in, in communities all over Montana. And that was a huge, um, huge component of the whole plan and the right thing to do, frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, that's all rolling along. So I think about, think about your work rooted in history, the History Society. Think about your work in leadership Montana that is so, like, future-focused, right? We're trying, we're, our mission is to build a better Montana. How do the two kind of come together, like the, the history and the future? How, how, do, how do those two concepts, like, come together to do bigger and better things? Well, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting because when we began Leadership Montana, we felt like there needed to be a history component. And um, for many of the first few years, we built in a session, I think it was at the retreat, uh, where I, you know, we had Tim LeCain from MSU, had Keith Edgerton from MSU Billings, had Ellen Baumler from the historical site. Different people come in and talk about Montana history to provide a backdrop for for where we're going and one of our uh, favorite sayings was before you know where you're going you have to know where you've been mm-hmm. and so understanding our history in Montana which is incredibly rich even though we're very young as a state um, I think really helped not only uh, place more importance on what we're doing with Leadership Montana, but also give you some context of why things are the way they are in our state. Um, so I think there is a is a great synergy there, and I think that's one of the reasons our historical society is so popular is that those lessons are so rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody can find something in there, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, I was I was really happy to make uh, make that a part of Leadership Montana. I had the privilege of recently sitting down with Molly Kruckenberg, who's now the director of Historical Society and a Leadership Montana alum, mm-hmm. alumna. 
and see plans for the construction of, of the new museum. And I was so just honored and awed to see the intentionality behind incorporating the indigenous story, the indigenous history and culture into that building. Can you mm -hmm. speak to that? Well, it's, you know, we, we remind ourselves often that <clears throat> history didn't start with the white man, white person in, in Montana. Right. People have been on this land for thousands of years. And uh, some of those, there's some wonderful stories there. There's some horrible stories there. And, uh, but that's really the, the root of history in Montana. And uh, those, that history and those cultures need to be recognized in all that we do, most particularly a historical society. But I think you see it in Leadership Montana and, and a lot of other things. There's so much we can learn um, uh, and so much that we can regret, frankly, about, you know, the way that uh, that history took shape over the last couple hundred years. But that was one of the first things we discussed when we began really digging into the design for the historical society is how do we represent native cultures and not do it in a frivolous way, mm -hmm. you know, not do it as a, you know, a, you know just, to, just to look like we are. Performative. Yeah. yeah. Um, so much of, of what's in the Montana Historical Society is about native culture, the artifacts and the, the documents and things. Um, it's just such an important part of what we've done. And, and I think my appreciation for that began with Leadership Montana and getting to know some of the amazing people like Barbara Braided here and Major Robinson and folks like that that have been a part of Leadership Montana that changed my life mm -hmm. in terms of how I um, opened up my eyes and ears to, to those cultures. And um, getting to know people like Steve Lozar on the Historical Society board, um, wow, I mean, I can't tell you how much that changed me. And, and Major Robinson, Leadership Montana alumnus, is is part of the design team for the the History Museum. No, no. mistake there. No, <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> well, that's a relationship that was formed in Leadership Montana. Exactly, it's one of those examples you know? of collaboration at yeah. its finest, and it's still like a, a relationship that you built with him in two thousand and six. Was yeah, his class somewhere along in there? Yeah, he was part yeah. of the. The, the class of the super fun, the super fun class? Yeah, probably. Yeah, his brother Rick, uh, I don't know which came first, Rick or Major, but uh, he was also an alum, so. And and, and, and to hear you say Barbara braided hair, of course, and, and her relationship with Tom Scott, I think, was so instrumental in ensuring that even, you know, in, in the beginning and, and throughout Leadership Montana, that indigenous perspective has been a priority to include. Absolutely. Say more about that. Well, um, you know, it, it was it was a priority and a challenge, um, and and I hope it's going a little easier now to recruit indigenous people into the program. But it was a challenge, and um, of course, Tom was very helpful with that, given his passion and his uh, relationships and so forth. Um, but it. It, sh it helps shape every class to have that native perspective. And in a lot of cases, it was very different. You know, uh, Major's, Major's a, a pretty good example. I don't think he'd mind me uh, telling the story, but, you know, Major came into the class, and I think he was, he may have also been working for Governor Schweitzer at the time, yeah. and was... Um, Eh, well, I'm not sure why I'm here, what I should be doing here. And um, you know how it gets. You get a little huggy at times, and particularly in the gracious Not during stuff. COVID times. Not, yeah, not during COVID times. <laughs> Major wasn't into the hugging stuff. <laughs> but by the end of the class, you got a hug out of the guy. And uh, he's uh, he, he's just a great example. He and Barbara and so many others that we got to know of of people who could teach us mm -hmm. you know we weren't we weren't the teachers of leadership montana by any means i never claimed to be that 
but if you listen to people like Barbara and Major and, and many others, those are really where the lessons are. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're grateful to, to this day have Major a part of our team in a big way. He serves on our Board of Governors. He's the chair of, of our new Indigenous programming. Um, but to answer your question, is it easier now to recruit indigenous participants we've we've hired someone specifically to do that it's still it's 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 and we've made you know in 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 my seven years here we've um from the beginning of my seven years to now we've made big um um, gains there but it's still it's very hard very hard and I, i agree with you that those perspectives any perspective that is different than than what you think is a typical perspective is is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. Montana diversifies, so does Leadership Montana. Yeah. And as Montana grows, so does Leadership Montana. I feel um, I feel very fortunate to be in a state with a with a, a native population like we have because it does provide you with the opportunity to be exposed to the cultures, get to know the people. Um, and uh, just be much richer for it, I think. Mm-hmm. So you were a recent recipient of biggest honor that Leadership Montana bestows, and that's the Tom Scott Award for Leadership and Excellence. And this award was created after you had left the organization formally. The board put it together, I think, around, and Tom was the first recipient in 2013. Um, So we've had just a handful of folks receive that so far. And you were just a couple of years ago receiving that award. What what was that like for you? What did that mean to you? Oh, well, first of all, it was it was one of those things that you say I can't possibly deserve this, <laughs> you know, to be to be mentioned in the same sentence with Tom Scott in any way is was something. But uh, you know, it was it, it was kind of emotional and kind of a, and a huge honor to be recognized by my friends and colleagues and peers in, in that way. And uh, as I said, to be the recipient of an award that bears Tom's name is it, it just it's hard to hard to imagine um, so yeah quite an honor it is probably one of it's probably the my favorite phone call that I get to make every year is to tell the person that's receiving it next that where you get ready you got to be at this event you got to get this award yeah. and just to hear like the humility that that comes through and I hear it from you even today again and I had, I had a conversation with Tom, one of my last conversations with Tom before he passed. He was sitting at his desk, and he was looking at his Tom Scott Award, and he said, you know how weird it is to look at an award that bears your name and has your name on it as a recipient? <laughs> it's like, and it's, it's, again, it's that humility, that thread of humility that I see amongst everyone yeah. who has been honored in that way. And we just interviewed Lanny Hubbard, who is this, this 2021 recipient. And it was the same with him, just this, this sense of uh, shock and awe. And, you know, I just, I can, there's no other word for it than deep humility. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what I appreciate about those people in our organization that are recognized at that top, top level is just that sense of, oh, I'm not worthy of that. Mm-hmm. Not in a, you know, self-deprecating way, but just uh, yeah. just humility, humble. Well, you know, I think the, the thing about every, every situation I've been in, whether it's newspaper publisher, historical society director, leadership Montana executive director, it's not a one-person show. No. I mean, these are all, this is all teamwork. And, uh, you know, uh, Sharon Peterson was my partner for eight years in leadership Montana. And, uh, the, the boards that served and the alums, I mean, everybody plays a role in that. Mm-hmm. And when you asked about the historical society and the, getting the building project done, that was a big team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may be one or two people that you point to that go, you know, they got it done. Eh, okay, but um, I think we all know it's much bigger than that. So when you accept an award like that, you, you kind of do it on behalf of the dozens or hundreds of people that help helped you get there 
So being a, a leader of all of these really remarkable programs and projects and organizations over the years, tell me, what, what is your leadership style? What does leadership mean to you? I have, um, <clears throat> I have a great belief in the people that I work with, and I have an incredibly high degree of trust. Um, you know, I studied leadership for a long time, and prior to Leadership Montana, and certainly in the year that or so or year, years that we were studying leadership, um, I believe in collaborative leadership. I believe in joint decision making. Um, I do not believe in autocratic leadership. <clears throat> I don't. I don't like being called the boss. <laughs> you know. And uh, I, I've tried to demonstrate it even uh, visibly over the years. At you know, at our, if, for example, if our leadership team at the historical society, I I never ever sat at the head of the table, never. And it was just sort of my reminder to myself that you ain't the boss here, mm -hmm. you know. So I see leadership as uh, getting the right people on board, providing them with the resources that they need to do their jobs, helping clear the way when I need to, and then get out of their way mm -hmm. and let them do. Let them do what you hired them to do. Um, it's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain. But I think ultimately it's more of a trusting style of leadership that, yeah, they're not always going to do things the way I would, but that's okay. Yeah. I, you know. So I, I, I don't think I answered that question very well. No, you didn't. And honestly, I think a lot about that, and I thought a lot about it when I was in a position of leadership, but I, now that I try and explain it to you, it's not as easy, <laughs> easy as I thought. But I understand everything that you say, and that's that's you know that's how I try to lead too. Yeah. Like, and it's a Jim Collins. You get the right people on the bus, yeah. make sure they're on the right seat on the bus, and get out of the way. Uh, yeah, I you know I hate to sound like I'm citing leadership books, but but that's a good one. We do that all the time. You know, good to great is uh, it's incredible, mm -hmm. and and Collins was dead on with with his assumptions and another another fabulous book that that i completely subscribe to that you use is the leadership challenge mm -hmm. wow i mean it's all right there mm -hmm. and uh the hundreds of books that i've got that maybe someday will come to the leadership montana library uh those are two that i go back to and back to and back to and back mm -hmm. to, to to learn from and always learning yeah leaders are always learning I think that is probably Absolutely. one of the most important things that we try to ensure at Leadership Montana that people understand. Like, you might be the CEO, you might be, you know, the president of an organization. You always have an opportunity to learn. And that's sometimes when, when, when we're talking to people about, hey, you should consider doing Leadership Montana. And they say, oh, I'm, that's not for me. That's for my employees. Yeah. No, that's for you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and every now and then you run into somebody, well, I already am a leader. Yeah. Right. Yes, you are. And that's why you should be a part of this. <laughs> exactly. All right. I've got a handful of lightning round questions. But before uh -oh. that, is there anything that you want to say? Yeah, I want to say how proud I am of where Leadership Montana is and where you and your team have taken it. It's, it's exceeded. I mean, when we were gutting this thing out, you know, 20 years ago, um, I mean, Sharon and I were it. We were part-time. We did everything from punch holes and papers, put together notebooks, clean up after lunches and, and everything else. And it was hard to see that it could be what it is now. Mm. But it's absolutely remarkable. And so congratulations and thank you. Thank you. To you and your team. We enjoy it. It's fun. It's hard it work. Fun, you know, it? yeah. it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard when you're when you're trying to help people just kind of you know gently along their journey to being a better person. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really what we're doing here, right? Is leadership development is better people development. Absolutely. And you're met with resistance along the way. Um, that's well, and that's hard. when we talked earlier about when does the light go on. Yeah. That's when it's worth it. Right. Right. When you see those things, see those, all of a sudden things start to work and things to click and. And you see these two people that are so different, 
you know, having a conversation or having lunch together, whatever, you kind of go, okay, yeah, yeah, it feels good again. It's working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, lightning round. Define leadership. Trust. Something amazing that has happened to you recently. Grandkids. What are you reading right now? Nothing, because I just had eye surgery. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can read with your ears. <laughs> Actually, I'm reading a couple things. I'm reading uh, The City That Ate Itself hmm. about Butte and the development of the Berkeley Pit. Fabulous, dense but fabulous book. And I'm also reading uh, Taste by Stanley Tucci about his uh, uh, growing up uh, Italian and it's it's a combination of sort of cultural and food related mm. just based on the series that he did searching for Italy on CNN couple, that's a fun one I, I'm going to pick up that butte book for sure it's, it's great yeah what is your favorite thing about being a grandfather being able to hold my grandkids mm. every time I visit we take a picture of the three of us and I've done that since they were in my in my arms every single time. And so I have this whole series of watching them grow up. And then a couple of years ago, I, I asked Amy uh, Livesey here in Billings to do a, a painting of mm. the three of us together. And it's, uh, it's amazing. She did an amazing job. So having those two grandkids, Lula and Oliver, in my arms is nothing better. Mm. If you could live anywhere other than Montana, where would that be? I don't know. I, you know, I honestly can't see myself living anywhere other than Montana. I don't intend to be anywhere else. Uh, it would be driven by my kids. My son Jake is in Seattle. My son John's in Bozeman. If they ever got into the same area, I'd probably have to be closer to the family. Mm-hmm. But that would be about the only thing that would get me out of Montana. What's the most important thing that you believe you've taught your children? To love each other and say it. Mm. We never end a conversation without saying I love you. There's a lot of power in that, and now I'm tearing up again. <laughs> um, a habit or routine you've developed that has helped to improve your life? Getting up in the morning. Just waking up in general? Just Yeah. That's a good way to start the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, you know, I retired, as you know, uh, in October of 2020, and uh, routines change, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's it's kind of been interesting getting myself adjusted to that. So uh, I got to tell you, it it it'd be pretty easy to be a lazy bum. That's not what I want to do. Uh, and so adjusting your routine to make time for reading, mm-hmm. to make time for music, mm-hmm. to make time with friends, and all that stuff is is probably been my priority the last year or so all right your favorite fishing hole stillwater river over by columbus favorite concert you've ever seen uh well i could the easy easy one would be to say bruce springsteen because i've seen him five times but the most memorable concert i probably ever saw was jethro tull and it was about 1975-ish, right after Thick as a Brick came out. Oh. Absolutely astounding concert. Such talented musicians. Oh, man. My, my dad was a big Jethro Tull fan, so I, I grew up listening to that. Um, let's see. If you could spend one full day doing anything, what would it be? Uh, reading or fishing? Can you do like like both? You could fish a while. You can sit on the while. bank with yeah. a book for a while. Yeah, a little whiskey too. Maybe, maybe. Uh, okay, you're going out to dinner in Helena to celebrate something big. Where do you go, and what do you order? I'm a I'm a regular at On Broadway in Helena. I go there every Wednesday night with my friend Larry Pettit. 
And so that's kind of become ground zero for me. Uh, you know, the staff is amazing there. Food's great. Atmosphere's great. So on Broadway would probably be my choice. Um, and wh what I ordered varies. Mm -hmm. I, I mix it up a lot. I, so probably whatever's the special of the night, I really believe that if the chef says something special, you probably ought to try it. Mm, I love that. <laughs> so... But it always with a martini. <laughs> Vodka or gin? Gin. All right, last question. So the history books are written years, decades from now that include a chapter on Bruce Wittenberg. What does it say? I really enjoyed working with him. He trusted me. He let me do my work. Uh, he delivered when he said he would. And he set high expectations and helped us meet him. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Nice to, nice to reflect on some of these things. Uh, Leadership Montana is a phenomenon. And uh, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you not only for this time today, but thank you for creating Leadership Montana. It's like you said, it is a phenomenon, and there have been thousands of people, not only alumni, but the people that touch those alumni whose lives have been positively impacted by this work, and it wouldn't have been possible without you and Sharon and Tom and all of those folks 20 years ago sitting down saying, we got to do something differently. Well, uh, if I can speak on behalf of Sharon and Tom and hundred other people at the beginning of the whole thing you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> that is our time with Bruce Wittenberg thank you so much Bruce thank you Chantel thanks to Bruce Wittenberg and Chantel Schieffer for that wonderful conversation and thanks to you for listening in if you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro song is a rendition of the Montana State Song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. Montana.